I'm Ben Klunt. And I'm Stephen Brown. In 2019, we started this podcast as an accountability tool for our health and our business goals. Through our discussions, interviews, and sharing of our successes and difficulties, we've learned we have a passion for leadership. In 2020, we're striving to grow our own leadership abilities by focusing on learning from great leaders in business and life, and continue to share our successes and struggles on this journey. We'll continue to have raw and candid conversations while sharing our own insights and experiences with our goal being to grow as leaders and as people. You're You're listening listening to Ordinary to Extraordinary. I did notice. Just so we all know, Stephen is feeling feisty because he's Stephen and he feels feisty. I don't know that I am feeling feisty. I'm feeling. You just said you were feeling emotionally drained and confused. Everybody, thank you for turning in to turning in. Thank you for turning in to today's podcast. I'm not sure what that was, Stephen. Uh, your tongue's in a twist. Clearly, my tongue is in a twist, and I have gum in my mouth, so I'm still chewing that. So people might hear my smacking. So today is June 1, Monday, June 1, mm-hmm. second time recording out of COVID in person again in person. with microphones. So we should sound a little better than we did for the last eight However weeks. However many. Yeah. Ten weeks, whatever it was. We have pop filters <sighs> and everything. And we talked this morning about not talking about what's been going on and i just don't think there's a way to get through this without addressing the 800 pound gorilla in which the is enti- interesting given today's topic on pivot <laughs> yeah i just i think it's almost insensitive and stupid to avoid it but i also think we have to be careful what we say we don't really get to have an opinion on this because of our background and gender and okay so now you're just like trying to <laughs> to like slide into it not really. but by voicing your opinion by stating no i'm not i really don't so i'm confused i'm genuinely confused on it i'm hurt i'm agitated i'm really kind of uh i understand why don't we what happened tee up a little more okay so over the weekend there was protests uh for the floyd um murder I guess is what we'll call it. Was it was a murder. Call it what yeah, it is. Yeah, call it a murder. It's a murder. Uh, for the Floyd murder, where the cop put his knee on his throat and suffocated the guy and lost blood to the brain and died. And so in Spokane, the protests uh, were peaceful until some looters came in and started messing stuff up and kind of stole the cause, basically, and uh, made it their own because they wanted free Nike jackets out of the Nike store. So. Yeah. And it's, it's Broke the windows, bastardized our town, spray-painted stuff. But what was cool to see this morning, and even last night, were those that were still there from the protest that stood in front of the stores, you know, linked arms and basically pushed people away from breaking in to stores. I know there was even a story of one of the Kimley Haggard guys boarding up a window and the protesters surrounding him boarding up the window at our office building. Yeah. So there are good people. It's gone beyond any kind of cause at that point. And I think what we have to avoid, 
And this is the part that pisses me off. Party politics has nothing to do with this, but yet somehow it's what drives people's opinion on it. And I see people arguing over which extreme group is worse, the Proud Boys or the Antifa. And it's like, clearly they're both there. I mean, we've been told, we're seeing it. We're seeing flags, we're seeing things written on their masks. You know, there's no shortage of video. And we're seeing that both of them are present and both of them are acting inappropriately. And then we're basically being asked to morally justify one over the other. Mm-hmm. And Which doesn't matter. They both They're have, both wrong. They both have terrible ethics. Yeah. They both have bad backgrounds, right? They both have a, a propensity to incite violence and chaos and anarchy. You know, to go from such a, a moving and peaceful protest that we had, I mean, there were police officers and protesters taking knees in solidarity right here in Spokane, beautiful mm-hmm. sight, to a few hours later to where, and now you've got people mad that the police are using tear gas and, and, and plastic bullets. And it's like, well, they'd asked people to disperse and it didn't happen and they were incited. And we have to understand that their safety is important as well. Are there bad police officers? 100%. We had Sean Wheeler in here and he talked about it. Yeah, there's some bad eggs. In, in every profession. Yeah. And we just cannot go down this path of, pardon the French here, fuck the police. No, don't fuck the police. Let's help the police be better by all means. But we don't need to be violent. Well, that attitude is the very attitude or, we're trying to combat, right? Yeah. I mean, with the whole BLM movement is... I mean, you're prejudiced towards a particular race. Now you're prejudiced towards a, you know, a job profession. So which we don't want that. We don't want any of that. We're just we're just in a spot to where, even I would say the majority of people, the vast majority, probably ninety nine percent of the people there yesterday, were peaceful mm-hmm. and went home when they were supposed to go home, and had no interest in causing violence. Got their cause across. But the one percent that were there, regardless of who they're affiliated to or who you want to point the finger at, ruined that and basically took an amazing gesture over a long period of time and dumped on it and. You know, when it gets to the point that people are of, of all backgrounds, of all colours, of all creed, running into stores and running out with jerseys and different things and tossing them in the street, and that's that's anarchy. And we don't need that. It's just, I don't know, I'm, I'm just in such a shitty place. And of all the companies, this is the other thing, the irony that it was Nike that started all of this and that that store got hit first. Nike's done more to support what this protest was all about in the first place, then, and, and I'm obviously a Nike fan, but they've done more to support people and the cause than any other company, I think, on earth, and they're the ones that are coming in this morning. But remember, see, those looters don't care about the cause. I agree. It just it, it, there's, a, there's a certain irony there. It, it, it's ironic, but I would say it has no connection to... The cause or the movement, yeah. Versus looters who. That's why I said they shouldn't even call them protesters because they're not protesters. They're no. just re- trying to wreak havoc. They're not protesters. They're just bad people that are bastardizing a situation and taking advantage of it yeah. to incite violence for an entirely different type of agenda than that of the mm-hmm. cause, which was the protest. So, and and you and I obviously we have a voice, and I'll say this. I won't be silenced on very many issues, but this is one that a lot of times I just won't even speak on because 
the amount of times I've been told I don't get to have an opinion because I essentially, and, and at least in, in looks, I'm tall, blonde hair, blue eyes. I mean, I could literally be on a poster for the Hitler Youth. <laughs> I'm not. I've been to Portland when there was something going on and people assumed I was part of this fascist group and, you know, my hair's short. And I, I get nothing but love for everybody. And I've got, I feel like I have a certain amount of empathy for everybody as well. And it's to, to be told when I can and can't have an opinion, that's not going to happen, which is why... Honestly, it's not that I don't have opinions, it's just that I have to be super careful what, what I share and who I share it with, and then I'm putting this out, and we'll see if I get any feedback on this. But I, I'm struggling with it all, I really am. Right. Struggling with how I'm supposed to feel, I'm struggling with who I'm supposed to talk to about it, I'm struggling with confirmation bias from people. You know, we talked about that last week, mm-hmm. the podcast that went live today when we were uh, talking about fear. Everybody right now is looking for confirmation bias. They want to say, well... The, the left group wasn't doing it or the right group wasn't doing it look there's a video of a this guy has an American flag on he must be a Trump supporter and this guy has a peace shirt on so he must be a lefty and it's like no, but you just say they're, call it for what it is they're pieces of shit for doing what they're doing yeah. who they're affiliated with doesn't matter it's their actions and we can't defend their actions their actions are indefensible the only actions yesterday that are noble are the people that were peaceful knew what the cause was, supported the cause, and left after their point was made. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, if you were still downtown, it doesn't matter if you started peaceful and you were one of the people that believed in one one side or the other. If you're still there past when there's a curfew, if you're still there when there's tear gas and plastic bullets, I mean, one thing when it starts, right, but hours and hours later, you're just, you, you're not fit for society. <laughs> You, you, it's, but it, this comes back to some of the stuff I talked about with COVID, COVID and the subjectivity. Like we have shown a propensity for tens of thousands of years as human beings to not be able to act appropriately. And when things get hairy, when we're in a situation where we feel threatened or liberties feel threatened or we feel like we've got a cause to stand for, we kind of revert to the lowest common denominator and we become Neanderthals again. I would say it's like anything in life. <clears throat> it's like the golden rule, right? Treat other people the way that you want to be treated in everything and all your actions, extend grace and show love, right? It's like, because you don't know where other folks are coming from. Uh, so, and I'm, I don't believe that any of those people who were actually there to protest the cause were the people who were looting or doing anything like that. And, uh, Stephen told me not to let him talk about this today, and then he basically went into the first. How, how do you avoid it? But so let's pivot into today's topic, which is pivot. pivot. <laughs> which is an interesting thought because it might be that some of these protests need to pivot the way they protest. I'm not saying they do. I'm just saying interesting thought. Do you want me to start it off? Absolutely, go for it. I'm still, like I said, I'm kind of in a, a, a haze, a cloudy haze. I was. I just burped. Did you hear that? <laughs> yeah. Wow, that was juicy. <laughs> um, that, that sneaked up on me. I I was gonna start it off with. Uh, I don't know if I'll read the story, but I will let you guys. There's a book called "Who Who Moved My Cheese." So that's what I was referencing in the beginning. Who moved my cheese? And it's uh, Sniff and Scurry and Him and Ha are the characters in it. 
it's essentially the, the, there's mice in right and they're in a maze and there's cheese on one block and they find their way to the cheese right my smother smell their way to the cheese in these scientific studies a lot of the time so they find the cheese and they eat the cheese and they would go back every day to the same spot they take the same path back to where they knew the cheese was they would put them back in the maze they'd run to where they knew the cheese was and they would eat a little bit of the cheese what they didn't realize is that over time their cheese pile was diminishing and things were changing with their food and where they were going and then one of the mice started to notice that the pile was getting lower and w one day they went back and none of the cheese was there so the one mouse sat there and said huh the cheese is gone well i guess i'll just come back tomorrow and the cheese will be replenished the one mouse took a different route and ran to the smell of the new cheese and he pivoted and he went and he found a new route and a new path and then he found a new basically room of cheese in the maze and had food and sustenance and continued to thrive whereas mouse a kept going to the same place that he had always known to go to because no that's where the cheese always was and there was never cheese until eventually he was forced to have to change he was forced to pivot so what i thought is interesting with that story again the books who moved my cheese and i didn't get the story 100 percent accurate but uh the 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 point still stands is one of the mice chose to pivot in advance and found the cheese early and found the success early, right? The other was eventually forced to pivot or die. So he was forced out of necessity. So I think there is choice pivot and forced pivot. And so that's where I was kind of starting it off with is, um, and there's, oh, I'll leave it there. I, I won't, because I could just keep talking, but anything you want to add? No, I like the, those little metaphorical stories, like, yeah. take the meaning. The reason I wanted to talk about the pivot, or the art of the pivot, or the science of the pivot, even if you want to get into that, we've just had 10, 12 weeks, if we do the math right, the, 10 weeks or so of the COVID um, crisis, where businesses shut down, people weren't able to work. People that were able to work had to adjust how they worked. People that were in sales had to sell in a different way. People that were in so many different industries had to basically shift, right? And we saw sort of different stages. So if we were to compare it to stages of grief, you know, I don't remember all the stages of grief, but there's like anger, there's acceptance. It was almost the same in this world where people fought it. People were like, well, no, I want to go to work. Well, you're not allowed. The building's shut well, I've never worked remotely. So then there's fear, right? Talking about last week's topic, mm -hmm. fear. Mm -hmm. So then they're fearful. And then there's the embracing of it and the adaptation. And then most of the people that had to pivot prospered, right? It's like, oh, yeah, this isn't the same, but I can still be a success. Or they kept fighting it and they kept fighting it and they didn't adapt and they didn't pivot. And now they're coming back out. It's almost like coming out of the, the cave after hibernation. And they're like, oh, I still can't do things normally. And the people that were I willing still have to, to pivot, pivot, the people that were willing to pivot are now in a routine and they're continuing to be successful. And now I'm way behind them again. So it sounds super kind of high level and, and lacking in detail, but I think we all have the capacity to pivot. We all have, and even if we just change the word pivot to adaptation, I think often people um, mistake Darwinism for 
they think it's the strongest they'll survive but it's not the strongest it's those that are the most capable to adapt because if it was all about the strongest surviving dinosaurs would still be running around the earth right mm-hmm. they didn't adapt so yeah i think adaptation and pivot is so important in the business world in relationships fitness health oh, totally. leadership mental health sometimes you don't know what's going to make you happy until you try something new you know my line, adapt or die. <laughs> I didn't know that line, but uh, yeah, it's a, I say that to people. It's like adapt or die. It's like if you ain't if you ain't gonna change. Yeah. Well, we often talk quotes, and I think one of my favorite quotes. Uh, I'll look up who this was next time you're talking, Ben. But to paraphrase it, it's um, change hurts or change sucks, but being irrelevant sucks even more. Yeah, I've heard that. Right? <laughs> yeah. And how true is that? <laughs> of course, it's true. You know, and, and we can come back to... Well, it's not only that. I was thinking about it with regard to our podcast, even. It's like we had to pivot how we go about doing the podcast. I mean, we didn't see each other for two months. So everything, like a lot of people's work, went to went to Zoom, went to basically doing things online where we were forced to record remotely if we wanted to be able to have any more cheese to put out there. So, I mean, we've had to do it at work. I mean, some so have you, Stephen. It's like a lot of our work in sales is relationship-based. And the fact that we can't go have a beer with somebody or we can't drop by somebody's business, you know, and just come on in or, or go, me and Stephen can't walk into somebody's business together and have him introduce me or vice versa. It's like, well, that certainly hurts sales. And it's like, if you want to be successful and you want to be productive, you got to change the way you go about doing it. So example is, uh, and then I'll have, I'll, you can share yours. I know you've had some good success pivoting the way you do business is, I mean, 10 Capital, we did a lot of events. We do a lot of things where, yeah, that's some strong hand sanitizer. It makes your eyes match. (laughs) But there's hand sanitizer in the room that we are, and it is definitely over 60% to kill that coronavirus. (laughs) But what I was going to say is the pivot that we're doing, and we'll see how it works. Maybe I'll share with you guys uh, in two weeks, is I'm doing a, a virtual cocktail class to celebrate the reopening of uh, one of the area businesses to our, where our office is located that we go to with clients and have lunch and or happy hour drinks, Durkins. So I'm gonna do a virtual cocktail class. We usually do events, it brings people there. And then we'll offer up the recipes, excuse me, I dropped my pen. Or I will offer up the recipes for people that we make, the cocktails that we make following the class, they can reach out to me and get it. So it's a way to foster relationships with clients, see clients, build that community, continue to build the community, but also get out there and get introduced as kind of doing something different, right? I mean, there's not too many advisors that are doing virtual events right now. And if they are, they're t- it's lame. They're doing social security seminars or something like that, <laughs> which aren't. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, sorry. <laughs> I'm glad funny. you thought that was so funny. But to some degree, it's true. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, how many people are going to stop on a cocktail class versus social security seminar class? Like, let's be real. Yeah. Yeah, that does smell a little funny, doesn't so it? These hand sanitizers. The hand funny. sanitizer, when you put it on, smells like straight booze. Like, don't light a and match it near like it. Feet. And then it smells like a butthole. <laughs> yeah, this smells like feet. <laughs> I don't like it. Make it go away. I don't like that smell. I don't like it. Like, is that so you keep putting it on? Yeah, it doesn't smell good. Ugh. All right, yeah, I'm not using that anymore. <laughs> okay, um, so talk about your pivot, though, because you had a pivot. I mean, you pivoted how you work out, too. I, I mean, yeah. I've your life is one big pivot. Multiple 
pivots, right? So initially, I think often we think that we have to be super creative and, all right, I'm going to pivot, I'm going to adapt. And it's like, no, sometimes it's forced, right? Mm -hmm. And when you're forced to adapt, sometimes you learn the best lessons, right? I would say my initial pivot through COVID wasn't even my pivot, it was my customer's pivot. I've been trying to sell everybody on, hey, you need a website that's monetized for five years. I've been doing this for five and a half years. E-commerce, online selling, whether it be in the restaurant space, in the retail space, invoicing, a hosted payments page, all you want to pay is just go here, put your invoice number in and pay it. A lot of older, old-fashioned or sort of people that, oh, it's working, I don't need to adapt. So for about the first three or four weeks of this, when people were staying at home, everybody had the realization, well, shit, people aren't coming and paying us money. How do we get money? Well, they're going to call you and then you have to type it in. Well, it costs 1% more because it's a higher risk. It's a card not present transaction versus having a secure submit online. We can shave a bunch of that cost off. How about we just set you up with an online account? So it's an additional account for me, additional revenue, and a lot of times for companies that are getting checks only, maybe they never took credit cards, yeah. all of a sudden their AR goes from 60 or 90 days down to 15 days. People are paying much faster because they're getting the reward points and their 1% cash back. You've all seen those commercials, right? I paid for health insurance for my company by using my credit card to pay for everything, right? Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? If they're not taking credit cards, people are not doing that. And yeah. they're waiting on... They're waiting on they're waiting on the 60 or 90 days grace that you're giving them to pay it versus paying it within 10 or 15 days. So we see a lot of benefits to it. Well, they realized I adjust, I sign them up, right? So once I got through that wave, um, I had some other customers where there's been a lot of businesses change hands through this, believe it or not. That's an opportunity for me. Like most salespeople, when they see change, it's good. So I've, I've, I've benefited from that. Um, I've, in the last month, when Idaho opened up, I was like, okay, this home workout bullshit, can't keep going, I don't like it. I don't want to do it at home anymore. Yeah, I, I've got nowhere I can do it except on carpet and working out on carpet sucks. So I've got dumbbells and bands and all the rest of it. And I decided I'm not doing this anymore. I've got a friend that owns two Anytime Fitness locations. So I decided I was going to start every day out there in Idaho. Well, guess what? I also have no territories. So I can sell in Idaho. So I work out in Idaho in the morning, early, early. I go to a coffee shop, make some phone calls, set some appointments, go see some people, lean on some people that I know out there to introduce me to others. I've been signing business in Idaho. So it's little pivots, it's it's little adjustments. Mm But one of them actually puts me back in my actual routine, waking up early, going to the gym, being at a coffee shop, working. I'm usually back in Spokane by noon, but I've achieved a buttload out there in Idaho. So there's my pivots and my adjustments over the last well, few weeks. Well, and what I wanted to say, and for some of your clients, I think it is is the adjustment you know, or pivot to thrive versus the adjustment or pivot to survive. And for some people, you need to adjust or pivot just to survive, right? I think a lot of the people don't pivot or don't make changes in their business or lifestyle because it's caused discomfort, right? I mean, change is uncomfortable for a lot of people. It takes work to change. 
and they think that they're just going to coast and ride this gravy chain and it's going to last forever, right? And that's not reality. That's not how it works. That's why my adage of adjuster die. It's like, well, mm-hmm. and I don't mean like all of a sudden one day you're gone, your business is obsolete, but could happen. I mean, some of these restaurants say it, but what I'm thinking is it's you're slowly dying. You're going to slowly, it's like advisors when they get old. If Death they don't sell it, cuts. if they don't implement technology and good client portals and new mm-hmm. ways of, of investing money, you're slowly dying and your yep. book will slowly go away and you will no longer have clients and you will no longer have a book to sell when you're 70 yeah. years old. Well, it's death by a thousand cuts. And I, I, I want to say, I've got, so stay on that death by a thousand cuts thought if that's the reminder for if I forget what we're going to talk about. <laughs> but I left one of the adjustments that I made out and it's that I hate cold call and I've shared that a million times I don't cold oh, call yeah. so what did I do cold I went call. into our system and I looked at customers that have left us over the last three or four years we used to have someone in Idaho Coraline mm. Post Falls area he's not been with us for nearly three years so there's been a natural attrition of his customers so I don't get notifications of that so I pulled up a list of all of his ex-customers that have left over the last three years and it's been higher than normal attrition because they never had the cell phone number to call. I reached out to a few of them and they're like, yeah, absolutely, we'll talk to you. So There's some warm leads there. They're warm because I'm yeah. like, hey, you used to be a customer. I call them I want you back calls. I think I shared that with you. Yeah. And I'd left that part out in the adjustment. So it's not cold call and it's, hey. I want you back. I work with Heartland. Oh, we liked, we loved Heartland. We just couldn't get a hold of our local rep. And this guy came in and offered us this. And they didn't want to call corporate and talk to them about it. So I'm like, well, yeah, let's talk. Let's see what they're doing. Let's see if you got what you were promised. And most of the time they didn't. You so. sneaky, sly Scottish <laughs> so dog, you. Call it sly, call it sneaky. But um, the death by a thousand cuts thing, what that makes me think of, like the whole not adapting, is uh, we all know people in your industry, right, mm-hmm. that haven't pivoted and haven't decided, hey, we're going to embrace technology. We're going to make sure that somebody's sitting at home on a Sunday afternoon, they can pull up a dashboard online and see what their account balances are, see what funds are in, mm-hmm. you know, see what adjustments we have made, have a summary. So that's a little part of that. And where I saw this over the weekend, so I've been talking to a lot of people back home through this as well, because you're kind of forced to, right? You're kind of like, oh, there's nothing going on. and um, Stuck inside the house. There's two golf clubs in my hometown. One's called Greenock Golf Club, one's called Guruk Golf Club. Now, technically, Greenock and Guruk are two different towns, but it's the same Inverclyde area so it's like Spokane Spokane Valley kind of thing well Guru Golf Club for the last 15-20 years has really embraced juniors and they've been trying to get junior members yeah like all those gold golf clubs yeah they've been trying to get similar to I mean we've got rotary clubs that are doing that now the Spokane Club here in town is literally dying a death because they can't get young people to join because it's the old white man's establishment right so I looked at Guruk and they've got pictures of kids playing, they've got a solid pro that's doing amazing things, and it's a super active club. So then I go and look at Guruk, or Greenock, which is the more prestigious club, and I'm looking at their reviews online, and everything is all these old lawyers and judges and stuck-up assholes are dying, <laughs> and there's nobody to sustain the club because mm-hmm. for the longest time, if you were a junior member, so basically up to the age of 21, you weren't allowed in the clubhouse on certain days. They fought ladies being in the club still up to a certain time. Now there's, and I'm going to show you this off air, but on their website, now you can wear jeans in the clubhouse, but only after seven o'clock at night. 
Swear to God, that's on a website in 2020. A lot of those clubs still are like that, though. You can wear golf-appropriate shirts. You can wear short golf-appropriate socks. Shorts are allowed, but only if you're wearing appropriate... Jesus. And they must be, like, And you wonder why nobody's joining your club. You wonder why kids aren't playing golf. Yeah. You know? Well, I think also there's a there's a pivot there's a shift in the generation and expectations of our age it's like hey mom and dad both work now mm-hmm. dad doesn't have dad the male usually the one that was out golfing for five hours at you know four or five hours having a drink with his buddies afterwards mm-hmm. like to play 18 holes that's over half of a work day or half a work day depending on how long you want to work like yep who has four or five hours to go and spend golfing. I mean, that's a long time away from your family. And when mom's working full-time now, most households, mm-hmm. that's a luxury. Time is a luxury. But where this started was I was bragging on Spokane Golf because we've got amazing public golf yeah, courses our here. municipal courses are crazy. Fully inclusive. Women, kids, everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and look at what Tiger Woods did for golf. Tiger Woods made golf trendy. And all, all of a sudden, you've still got the... And Scotland invented golf, right? So obviously, you've got your old traditionalists there. Oh, yeah. But they're not adapting. They're not pivoting. And that club will probably sh- change hands because they, they they just had to They'll go sell. bankrupt and have to. So the way this Greenock Golf Club is set up is you've got an 18-hole course and a 9-hole course. And I believe they sold off a portion of it to developers in order to pay what they had to pay just to stay open. And Keep they, probably some Because they don't have enough members, too. they don't have enough income coming from new blood. So, yeah, that's just an example. Well, you've of, seen that locally with yeah. Manitou and Kalispell, are the two kind of more prominent country clubs here. I mean, both of them are pivoting right now. Yeah. I mean, they are trying to attract young younger families. They have pools. They're doing time with Santa Claus. They're the Santa breakfast, the Easter bunny breakfast. I mean, they're trying to make it a lot more social to where the entire family can be involved. Because I think, to my earlier point of husband and wife, like, uh, it's not as acceptable for the guy to just go spend time at the club and smoke a cigar and have a scotch and play four hours of golf. Like, Sounds wonderful, though, doesn't it? Yeah, that's going to happen every <laughs> once in a while. But that's just not the reality of the yeah. world that we live in right now. So it's like these clubs have been forced to adapt to a time when it's like, hey... The husband necessarily doesn't want to be away from his wife and kids for four or five, six hours either, too. So now they have these fun social mm-hmm. gatherings. You can play nine holes, and the snooty old farts can't get on you too much about it, too. But, I mean, I know that the country clubs, I had a conversation with close friends that belonged to one that were talking about, yeah, there's still stuff that we're struggling with, with you know some of the older folks that just everything has to be by the rules. It has to be by the rule book. And it's like, well... You know, we're doing this for five, a handful of people then? Yeah. I mean, you're going to lose the club. Do you want to adapt a little bit and change the ways and maybe give up on a couple of things that you're so hard on mm-hmm. so that you can actually keep the club? Or do you just want the club to go under? Yeah. Because if we all pull away, the club's going under. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't mean to talk about the golf club thing for that long, but it's such a great analogy for what but we're talking about. But it goes with the topic of pivoting. Yeah. I mean, Eric Shinseki is the name of the guy by the way he's a u.s general who served as the seventh united states secretary of veterans affairs but he said if you dislike change you're going to dislike irrelevance even more so there you go an american asian or asian american whatever you want to say so 
Interesting. I pulled that up a while ago. I just didn't want to let it. So it, it's kind of interesting that we rarely do topics in order, but I like how some of our topics lead into previous topics. Mm-hmm. Right? They tie in a lot of the time. So we talked about how fear can lead into adap- adaptation or pivoting. What we need to talk about now is how once you adapt or pivot, that's where true um, ingenuity comes from, right? That's where your Netflix and your Uber mm-hmm. and all of these disruptive companies come from because they're disrupting the status quo by making things easier, faster, there, smarter. There you for go, people, trying right? to freaking pull Simon Sinek in again. I did not Disrupt mention the status, I, the status quo. That's Apple. He's quoting Apple when I he know, says that. But I knew you were going to tie it somehow back. I to wasn't Simon going to mention Sinek <laughs> that thing. But what I'm saying is like, so then if you come back to, I mean, and then disruption leads into success and leadership. And it's just like all of these things mm-hmm. we talk about somehow are just organically connected. And maybe obviously in leadership and in business, I th- we're well, going to find and that. What's interesting is, Oh God, you were just butterfingers. Can't hold on to your phone. I think what's interesting is also tying it back to prior topic of fear is I think a lot of people are are, are fearful to make the choice to pivot mm-hmm. too, right? When, you know, we talked about this in the time of COVID, right? It's like how we talked about, I think a lot of job changes will come about. Yep. I think marriages will be formed or lost. <laughs> you think? You know, like people have never massive been life to spend as much time with people. No, but massive life changes are going to come out of this. Forced pivots, pivots by choice. Both of those. I think all a pivot is is just a change in direction. It doesn't have to be a massive change, but maybe a small change. Partially doing your meetings online. Mm-hmm. Now having that ability to offer that to people broadens your client base to anywhere in the nation. Well, think about what my. Matt Rogers talked about a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. He said he vehemently fought, used to make speeches yeah. to people about how don't sell over the phone, don't sell over internet. And now he's had this realization, this adaptation that instead of being able to meet two people a day, he can meet eight people a day and not leave the office and have more time with his family because he's not driving. He can meet eight people a day if he meets one an hour, mm-hmm. and the, the meeting only lasts thirty minutes. It gives him what eight hours, eight half hours, so four full hours back with his family who are at home. Mm-hmm. So, well, more productive. Yeah, more revenues, more freedom with your time. So now, and we talked about this. Now moving forward, there's going to be this hybrid. I'm not going to neglect Idaho anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other thing I think is interesting for employers, and I've got a. And maybe I won't talk about this. Maybe I might have you edit this later. We'll see. But I know even... Actually, I won't mention any names is what I won't do. I know with employers that I've talked with in the past, if they've had to go and fire somebody, an employee, they've been scared to make that change. They've been fearful to make that pivot and fire that person. After they do, it's 100 times better. And what I've noticed is that applies not just in work right i mean it's relationships in general i mean you pivot away from a negative relationship you're happier i know i have a friend who is going through divorce and said i'm so happy that my well i'm so happy that my happiness is no longer tied to that woman right mm-hmm. it's it's so much good comes out of change is what i figured out usually when it's a change 
most of the time that change, be it forced or by choice, ends up in positive results. Even if it sucks at first. Even Well, mostly sucks at first. Well, I mean, I don't think you're going to get around it that pivoting isn't going to suck at first. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's very few instances I can think of where it's like, oh my God, Stephen, that was just great from the beginning. Like, hunky-dory, unless you're in an abusive relationship and you get out. Like, You've opened the door for me to rant about something. Oh, God. Something to talk about a lot. What's and that? Education. And... I still get agitated, and I'm, I'm, if, I like Elon Musk, by the way. And Elon Musk recently has basically said the same as I've been saying for a long time. I'm sure he said it a long time before I said it, but I've definitely been of this mindset that they're more likely to hire you based on aptitude than they are based on qualifications, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't need to have a degree to work there. Apple, Google, Nike, they don't care about a degree. I care about aptitude and performing. So that's been an adaptation in almost every market, right? And I'll come back to some of the most um, antiquated of the uh, professions. Law. I want a lawyer that's got a a law degree, but I'm just saying law. Yeah. Banking. (laughs) They are still very, we need to hire people with degrees and MBAs and we want people with hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt, right? That, that blows my mind in the banking world. But we're seeing this pivot, this adaptation in the business world, in the modern business world, that people don't need degrees. People need applicable skills and aptitude, right? And sometimes the skills they want are soft skills that you can't define. Is that person able to work in a team? Mm-hmm. Is that per- and you, I don't care what college you go to, you don't learn that. You get a group project in college and everybody resents a group project because you've either got the people that can't be bothered working with other people or you've got the people that do all the work and then resent it. So we're getting this adaptation in the job market right now to where um, people don't hire based on your qualifications. They hire based on aptitude because they know that you can, you can train for skill, you can't train personality or desire attitude mm-hmm. well and that's so true you want to hear my other would you hire for character train for skill mm-hmm. right and and that's that is so true and I, I think it's cool that people are hiring those without degrees like you don't have to have a degree necessarily to be educated right we said talked about that before on the podcast mm-hmm. I don't care how you need to be educated it just yeah. doesn't need to be formal Exactly. You can read a book, get educated, take a course, OJT, on-job training, right? I mean, it. You get your training however you want to, but... Uh, you give me a guy with an MIT degree in computing or Mark Zuckerberg, I'm taking Zuck's opinion. So this <laughs> is going to be an interesting one and in how I phrase it up, and, then I, and, and it'll be good. I'll, I expect some dialogue on this from you, so... I'm is, not giving you any. Okay, well, you're an asshole, so big surprise. <laughs> <laughs> you are. What am I? I mean, I mean Thanks. So knowing when to pivot and write something off. So, but the other part, the little asterisk I want to give with this, right, is sometimes when you think it's time to write something off, it's also time to push harder because you're almost to the point of success. Mm-hmm. So that's what I want to talk about is differentiating between, hey, I think it might be time to pivot. The direction, the path that we've been taking isn't working. 
and let's stop belaboring a point or let's stop, you know, getting after something. And then, mm-hmm. or, hey, we're so close to success. We just need a one final push, right? Is deciding that. and But not being the person who always needs one final push <laughs> in deciding when you need to make a pivot too. So yeah. dialogue on that. So yeah, I would take it a step further. Sometimes there's too much pivoting, right? So you're, to your point, yeah. you want to push through and get to your initial That's, goal. Yeah. But we also have people that try and redefine what they're doing every other month, right? That doesn't work. You know, and I, I'm going to hark on network marketing a little bit. You know, the people that have been with 18 different network marketing companies and one month they're selling you this health supplement. Yeah. Next month they've got these amazing candles. Then they're calling you and asking you to host a party for Tupperware. And it's like, Jesus, will you just pick a product and get good at selling it and yeah. knowledgeable about it? Yep. Oh, wait, what? You're doing Forex now? What? Foreign exchange MLM? Like, how does that work? Like that, with Tupperware? That's, that's a super Is volatile that a market. Deal? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, if you're constantly pivoting, or and look at it from the perspective of someone walks in and you're interviewing them for a job and in the last three years they've had six different gigs mm-hmm. I'm not hiring that person yeah you know and it might be innocent enough it might be that they just haven't found what they want to do but for me you got to give it longer than six months average pair right so it's little things like that like if you're constantly pivoting and constantly trying to reinvent the wheel a you might just not have figured out what you want to do yet so go work for somebody mm-hmm. build some credibility by staying somewhere for a while while you figure out what you want to do and then pivot or adapt to doing that over the course of the time right and it's not i think a lot of people think in entrepreneurship all of a sudden it's just one day you start it quite often a lot of entrepreneurs work a real job and put another three or four hours a day in and then a bunch of time on the weekend and they build it up over a period of time and then transition that to be their full-time gig. And that's what breaks people down because they're, oh, well, that's not working, so now I'm going to change and I'm going to do this. So Yeah, and, and I also think if you pivot too much, it's going to rob you of happiness too because you're never going to accomplish anything worthwhile, right? I mean, again, pivoting's hard. Sticking to the plan and the process and pushing through the failure is hard. Guess what? It's all hard. <laughs> like you just have to keep going sometimes to get to the success. And but then also stop every once in a while because I think a lot of people just get into the routine, right? And they're so focused on the routine. And the routine will lead to the process. Like focus on the routine, kick ass at the routine, stop every once in a while and take stock of where you're at. Right. If you go years and years and years and years and it's not working, it might be time for a pivot. Doesn't mean scrap the idea entirely. It might mean a small pivot. Maybe we need to change up the way that we do marketing. Maybe we need to look at marketing to a different demographic of folks. I mean, think about how many businesses were started thinking they were going to be, you know, manufacturing paper. We're going and to be the next Microsoft. Yeah. And I mean, yeah now they're a tech company right I mean you've had to pivot I mean my parents own company right they started as a print company right or like they were designing print yeah good luck being in that industry now yeah most printers are going out of business right now they did design for print now they design websites right and they design brands corporate brands so it's like you have to pivot over time Mm -hmm. you have to change your business and those that don't are the ones where you see where it's one dude or gal or whoever like trying to just grind it out 
wondering why they're not experiencing some success, and then they're investing on page 10 of their local newspaper, hoping it's going to bring them in some business. And it's like, for the love of God, like you're killing me here. Stephen's about to give parenting advice. This is going to be be great. Let the singer. No, I know you've seen this and you've done it, right? So I've dated my uh, fair share of single mums. I'm always respectful of people that have kids, right? But sometimes I think people that have kids, and I'm not talking about people I've dated, I'm talking about people I've met through people I've dated that have kids, just in case that got me in any trouble. <laughs> but one of my favorite things is when parents tell tell you the stories about the problems they're having with their kids, right? Like, oh, I've tried everything and you just won't stop doing this, right? And it's like, well, what have you tried? Well, we did this for a week and we did that for a week. And it's like, well, kids need routine. Have you tried taking the toys away? What? Well, no, he won't share his toys. We can't get him to share. Fucking take them all away from him. He will learn to share real quick if he doesn't have any. <laughs> right? So it's little things like that. Like they tell you these problems and you can see a real simple solution, but they want to go these like holistic bullshit. I'm going to be my kid's best friend route. And it's like, nah, there's a simple solution to your parenting problem if you're willing to address it. But you're pivoting and pivoting and pivoting and adapting and adapting. And before you know it, the kid, you know, the, the horse is leading the, or sort of the cart's leading the horse. Kid's the puppeteer. Yeah. So. I and I have for, kids, so I can talk on this. Yeah. But would you agree that sometimes agree you see other partially. people and, and they tell you all these problems they're having with parenting? I, if I, if and, I'll tell you, I think it's just because they're tired. They're yeah. so worn down a lot of the time. Like a lot of the time they're just like, Stephen, yeah, I know what I should do. But I'm so freaking tired of fighting my child that I just need them to shut up and be quiet. And Hope, I don't really care what Hopefully I don't end up in jail for saying this, but a lot of kids just need a good smack in the ass as well. I don't know and why you would did end up. did not do me any harm growing up. And yeah. I wasn't abused in any way. I got a smack in the ass when I, I was got spanked, line, yeah. So. Well, and to some kids, they respond well to that. I responded well. I did not like getting spanked. My brother, uh, on the other hand told my father, I remember this vividly one time, he's, uh, he got spanked, and then he turned to my dad and goes, that doesn't work anymore, dad. <laughs> and then you heard smack on the butt again, and you heard him crying. Like, Ooh, yeah. that worked. Guess what? <laughs> yeah, there you go. That one That's worked. <laughs> yeah. A little too light the first time, I guess. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, kids need a spanking. I know there's probably some therapists out there that would disagree with me, but... Yep, there's some hippies that would disagree for sure, but I stand by your banking. I don't, I mean, your kids shouldn't be scared of you. There should be a healthy amount of fear. Yeah. There should be a fear and respect. There's a difference between reprimanding your child and beating your child. But not fear of abuse, fear of disappointment, right? I think often that's what's overlooked. Like when you're trying to be your kid's best friend, you can't, you can't maintain authority. No. Well, and it's not a parent's job to be their kid's best friend. That's not that's not parenting. Mm-hmm. I mean, your kids aren't going to respect you for being their best friend. I know Think about how they treat their friends. <laughs> I know some people that listen to us that are going to literally be having a connection right now listening to this segment. Why? They can come talk to me. I'm a parent with a kid. But can you see the big grin on my face? Because <laughs> <laughs> you like it. Stephen likes to stir the pot. And for those that don't know, like he likes to voice his opinions. He likes to stir the pot. He likes discussion. These are my air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. But pivot. It's a positive thing. 
It is. Yeah. Change direction every once in a while. Stop, take stock of where you're at because maybe it's time to do it. I think that analogy of quit working in your business and start working on it because, again, you might need to take some stock where you're at and pivot. I know I have not always been the best in the past at pivoting. I've tried to think outside the box. Some people have the gift of just being able to... I, I have this, It's always, but sometimes it's implementing, is I can come up with ideas all day long on ways we could pivot new marketing strategies, different investment options, like coming up with ways to pivot and tweak the business a little bit that might advance it one way or another, not a problem. Sometimes mm-hmm. implementing them is a harder problem. So I think spending time thinking about how you pivot and then enacting the pivot. I have not been probably as good at, uh, at pivoting as you during this Part of it is I don't think I've found how to pivot entirely. I mean, I've certainly pivoted how I do my meetings. I've certainly pivoted some of my marketing strategies. So small pivots, I guess. Uh, But I haven't done any big pivots at this point. I I disagree. I think you've done more than you realize. I'm also my own worst critic. I think what you've done is move... Your industry moves slow. You've made contact with people that you otherwise probably wouldn't have made contact with. You've reached out to people who true. their advisors have not. And the next time you come around in the cycle to talk to them again, that's going to be remembered. And I think what you're going to see is in three, six, nine months is you're going to see a mass migration to you because of what you did right now. And that's often you want instant gratification. Despite I totally want instant gratification. You, you know better than that. In your industry, uh, you know better than I that. I know. I tell our advisors this. I'm like, we're planting seeds right now. Yeah. And we'll harvest it later. Yeah. What <laughs> you're doing, what you're doing now isn't words. going to be fruitful for yeah. three, six, nine, twelve months. You know when, I mean, the, you're talking about vast sums of money to most people, right? You're talking about people's life savings, people's, mm-hmm. people's um, what do you call it? They're... Uh, when they're not they're uh, yeah they're nest egg nest egg that's the one I was looking for and to make a change with that regardless of whether the person that's got it is doing a good job a bad job or just doing a job right some people are just okay but by differentiating yourself every time you touch them not sexually by the way just you know what I mean <laughs> gotta no, no. no, nobody's been touched inappropriately. But every time you touch them, you're differentiating I almost yourself. Made a political statement there. So that you just get that migration eventually. What you do now pays off down the line, and yeah. that's and where I, you that's need what to, you hope. Yeah. I don't give you much grace, but that's where you need to give yourself grace. Okay, thank you. So, I think rest assured that what you're doing right now will pay off. It's just. Nobody's going to make a huge change in the middle of a crisis. They're going to make a huge change on the back end of a crisis. Yeah. Right? So So. that's what you need to remember. Open for business. (laughs) Also, your company in general, you guys, and you're a cool boutique firm. Mm -hmm. You're well known. You've been doing the technology thing for a while now, your commentaries. Did you see how many friggin' advisors were trying to do that over COVID? Like, oh shit, we better get a video everybody, out. noticed everybody, a lot of people started adopting our model. You guys just kept being consistent. Mm-hmm. So you guys were early adopters, if you want to talk Malcolm Gladwell. Yep. Have you ever read The uh, the Outliers? Yeah. So you're an early, or sorry, the tipping point, sorry. So you're an early adopter, and you're so good at it we now. You're not a laggard. You've made your mistakes, you've learned about sound and quality and 
you guys have got so many topics out there already as everybody else is struggling to create content all the content you've been making for the last three years is still relevant Mm -hmm. because it's very generalized right so yeah everything you've been doing is going to pay off long term just trust me on that and stop being critical i'm sitting here fingers crossed and smiling (laughs) (laughs) and for anybody that's listening I was just really nice to Ben, and I'd appreciate it if you didn't tell anybody. <laughs> Especially some of Stephen's past girlfriends. <laughs> no, I want them to know that I can be nice to people. <laughs> I have that. I have that in the locker. You have that capability. No, I don't think anybody has an issue with me being nice to them. They know I just give you shit. But, but yeah, I think we've actually been keeping things a little shorter recently, and I think we've talked about ad- adaptation and pivoting enough. What do you think? No, I think so too. It was nice. Yeah. So I mean, we're still we still almost probably what fifty minutes. Yeah, an hour. Probably fifty. Yeah. Um, Once we cut out the shit that we had at the start. (laughs) Are you going to cut all that? All that out? Some of it. We'll see. But on that, I want to talk about that. Oh gosh. We don't necessarily cut content. We just cut delays and little things like that out. We cut the ums. My long pauses. Your long pauses are a pain in the ass. Steven's burps. Seriously. I don't know that I can cut that out. We were both, you were talking at the time and I was like, um, so yeah. But what we do appreciate is social media engagement, shares, likes, reviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have not done that yet. Why? You're an asshole. Not like <laughs> Just do it. It takes about a minute. You're an asshole. Just do it. Just give us however many stars you want. How do people review us? Like where, where do you want them to review us? On Apple's the best. So go on to the Apple podcast app on your iPhone if you have mm-hmm. it. Search Ordinary to Extraordinary, mm-hmm. and then write a review. Five star, boom. Yep. It doesn't have to be five stars, but if you think we're five star worthy. Oh, I had a story I wanted to tell you. Oh, jeez. It's only going to take a minute. Um, yeah. I mentioned that obviously we do get engagement, but my buddy Jay reached out to me over the Sunday morning, 7.30 a.m., and I'd been out drinking the night before, so I wasn't awake. And I jumped awake, and I was like, oh, I'm not answering that, 7.30 a.m., then he texts me and he sent me a couple of Snapchats as well. He's like, hey, I'm getting caught up. And he listened to the one that it was me, you, Pop, and McNulty. Oh, jeez. <laughs> during COVID. Yeah. And apparently we gave him, so he does what you do. I think I told oh, you that. Cool. So he's, uh, what's the company he's with? What's Bank of America? Merrill Lynch. Okay. So he's with Merrill Lynch um, over in the Detroit area. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, <laughs> he's like, yeah, listening to you four, because we were talking about what we're doing during COVID and mm-hmm. how we're working. He's like, you gave me a bunch of ideas. He's like, I've got like 15 people that I wrote down in my, my notes that I'm going to be reaching out Sweet. to because cool. of what you guys were talking about. So it's nice to know that we're making that kind of difference in, in yeah. professional life. I like it. Hey, I'm licensed so we can do profit sharing too. Hey, we can share. <laughs> 15, yeah. what's, uh, okay, I like it. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, but you guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of our little uh, O2E community. O2E family. Yeah, why did you have to turn that that weird? Well, you put it family. Oh, God. Now he thinks he's Don Corleone. <laughs> <laughs> or the Don. Anyway, yeah, thanks again. Um, and until the next time, be good to yourselves and to each other.
Nah, nah.